Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Hey, uh, I'm excited you get me today. I get to speak to you. Uh, I did lay out a Hawaiian shirt, and I almost wore it uh, just to honor the pastor. I even sent it to him and said, I got my shirt laid out, pastor. He said, that's a preaching shirt right there. But fear got me. I couldn't wear it. It's too bold. It's too colorful. It's actually, it's hideous. Uh, It's it's the reason I didn't wear it. But Tabitha might have uh, disowned me had I wore it. But come on. Somebody say blessing. Man, how great is it to have a church service where we get to pray over kids and we get to give them backpacks and haircuts so that they walk into this new season confident? Come on, kids should walk into their new schools or this just the unknown confident, ready to take on with whatever the, uh, the school year throws at them. And I believe in that. They're going to have the best year yet. And I'm thankful that we get to be a part of it and that we get to be, uh, the, uh, we get to be like Oprah. You get a backpack, you get a backpack, you get a backpack, you get a haircut. Come on, it's going to be exciting. It's going to happen uh, after second service. So please stick around and and be a part of that. Serve. If if you don't have kids, serve. Uh, uh, bless Bless some people, bless some families. So I have one goal today for you to have a good time. Is everybody in here having a good time? I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. So yeah, I'm just kidding. Great. Well, I'll try to keep that. I keep, I'll, try, I'll try to keep you having a good time the whole time that you're here. Uh, please, uh, if you don't, just keep it to yourself, right? We don't want to know about it. I'm kidding. Well, if you don't know, my name is John Tatum, and I, I'm the youth director here at uh, Owensboro, uh, his church, and I love it. Uh, I, I recently uh, got an opportunity to take... Uh, a, a group of them to Central Youth Conference. Now, they keep me young uh, physically, uh, mentally, spiritually, right? A lot of times I don't know what they're saying, but uh, I'm just like, great. It sounds encouraging, so I'll take it, right? They could be mocking me the whole time, but I don't know. But I got to lead them to this, uh, uh, to this conference. Huge. There's about 3,000 students there, and I could be biased, but I think that our students are the best students there. Come on. Yes. They are literally, come on, our kids in here are better than other kids. I'm just saying. They are, right? They behave better. They, they listen better. They have better manners. And I see some of your parents looking at each other like, he's talking about our kids. Yes, they have you fooled. Sometimes I forget how well they actually do listen. So we pull up at conference and I've got the boys and I've got some awesome leaders with me. I didn't do it alone. I got some awesome leaders. I get there and I'm like, boys, listen to your leaders, get all your luggage out, line up. I'm going to go check us in. And when I'm done, we can, I can come back out here and we can walk straight to our rooms, right? Very efficient. Boom, boom, boom. We have a plan. So I go in, I check us in, I come out, there they are lined up, got all their luggage, right? I'm like, yes, they're awesome. Well, I look past them and I see the church van doors wide open, right? 
I'm like, boys, I said be ready. Who left these van doors open? So I go and I jump in the van to investigate, and immediately, as soon as I got into the van, I realized something isn't right, right? I couldn't quite figure it, and finally one of the boys yelled, that's not our van. I was like, you don't think I know that? I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Let's go to the room. Man, all those church vans look exactly the same, right? They're all white and unmarked. That van smelled like tacos. I'm like, this is not our van. But I love those settings because, man, in those settings where it's a room full of young people worshiping, they worship harder, they praise louder, they let their walls down faster. Come on, they really step into what God has for them in that moment. I I love watching them grow in their faith. It makes me wanna be a better person. And they are difference makers and they have value to offer to the kingdom of God even at their age. And we have a responsibility as the current generation to recognize their value and their talents and to teach them to operate in them. So today I've titled uh, the message, Recognize Their Value. And I want to look at a time where I feel like Jesus recognized the value of a young boy when nobody else did. If you have a Bible, you can turn it to John chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 13, the, his production team. Let's give them a hand clap. They are awesome. They don't give enough credit. They make everything possible. They're going to put it up on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible, you can read along. It reads like this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that all these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have your people sit down. Now there was, a bunch of gra- there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to, to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 buckets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, that it's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Lord, I pray that you would minister to our hearts, minister to our minds, our spirits, Father, that we would have a renewing of faith today, Father. I pray that you would give us new eyes that we would be able to see the next generation for the value that they have, God, that we would uh, call to them, Father, that we would build up leaders, God, to take our place, that they would continually build your kingdom, Father. Lord, I thank you for each and opportunity you give us as the current generation to sow into the next generation, Father. We love them, lead them, guide them, keep your righteous right hand upon them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, first of all, you can clap your hands. I heard it. You can clap your hands. It's all right. I got, my, I got my crew on the front row here. If you're going to preach, 
you got to bring an amen corner. I'm counting on you, boys. Well, I, first of all, I applaud this little boy who brought the bread and the loaves. I applaud his parents because the parents had him at church, an outdoor church service at that, at that right? Kids don't really go outside anymore. But this, this family, they had their boy at an outdoor church service. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that even if a kid is mad in church, they're better off than if they weren't in church at all. Because even if they don't want to be here, they're still getting fed the word of God. Their seeds are still being planted. And the Bible says that we plant the seeds and we water the seeds, but God makes them grow. And I know sometimes when you're planting a garden or you're planting seeds, the ground can be tough. It can be hard to to get that seed into the ground. But if you work hard and you till that ground up and you make that uh, uh, soil soft and you plant that seed and you faithfully water it, God is faithful to us that he makes that seed grow. Now, sometimes kids can seem like that tough ground. It's hard. It's hard getting them to church. It's hard getting them here and thinking that uh, uh, they're receiving things, right? They never show it on their face, right? They don't want to show you how much of a good time they're actually having. So it's tough. It's hard. You think, man, I'm not getting through to my kids. But you have them here, and you're tilling that soil. You're surrounding them with the things of God. You're putting the word of God in their hearts and their minds on the tips of their tongues so that the word of God is there when they need it. And you're faithfully watering that seed that you're planting, which comes by praying. We pray over our kids every second of the day and we faithfully water the seeds that are planted here in God's house. And God is faithful to make those seeds grow. So I just wanna tell you as parents, you're doing a good job. So keep tilling, keep planting, keep watering those seeds, and I guarantee you we will see a revival. We will see a movement of God in the next generation that is so large, so vast, that we can't even imagine how great it really is going to be. Now, I'm losing street cred up here telling you this, right? Every young person drug here today is like, you're dead to me, John. Hey, don't hate me because... You'll look back and you'll thank your parents one day for dragging you to God's house. You'll look back and see that everything that you received that you didn't even know you were receiving. And parents, again, you're doing a fantastic job getting your kids here in the church so that the word of God can just invade their lives and change them. Come on, you're making a difference. You are a difference maker, parents. Come on, we should give the parents a hand clap in here. Praise the Lord. Love you, parents. Well, we see in this scripture, we see Jesus, and he's on top of a mountain. He's sitting with his disciples. He's just performed a ton of miracles, and he looks, and he sees the multitudes coming towards him, and he has compassion for the, the, the crowd. He has a, a, a compassion for uh, just their faith, their movement, and he says, they need something to eat. There's two things that people have in common. We all sin. Come on, Pastor Patrick talked about it. Nobody gives an altar call like Pastor Patrick. I'm back there ugly crying before I come up here. I don't know how he does it. But we all have sin. We all fall short of the glory of God, and we all love food, right? Two things. You came to church today, and you say, I don't have anything in common with people. You sin, and you love food. Come on. You are more in common with the person sitting next to you than you thought. But Jesus, he, he had compassion for these people. And people always get food analogies, right? Jesus said, 
I am the bread of life. Bread is good. Bread is fulfilling. You like bread? Then you're going to love Jesus. The next time somebody asks you, man, what's the big deal about this Jesus guy anyways? You've been ministering to people at your work, at your job. They see what God's doing in your life, and they say, what's the big deal about Jesus anyways? You just simply ask them, well, do you like bread? And they're going to be like, bread's great. Bread's fulfilling. You know what? No matter what my day looks like, a roll from Texas Roadhouse makes it all better. <laughs> right? And you can say, well, Jesus is good. And Jesus is fulfilling. And no matter what your day looks like, Jesus can make it all better. And you're thinking, what about the people that don't like bread? Well, there's no hope for those people. <laughs> I'm kidding. But think about it. When's, if bread wasn't good for you, why would a diet tell you not to eat it? When's the last time a diet told you to stop eating something nasty? You see somebody struggling. Man, I'm really struggling today. My diet won't let me eat sardines. That doesn't happen. It's, it doesn't happen, right? So the next time somebody's having a fuss about Jesus, you can say, hey, the world is trying to get you to diet Jesus. Because when's the last time the world tried to get you to stop doing something bad, right? It doesn't. Jesus is good for you because the world doesn't want you to have Jesus. Psh, that was free. Y'all don't even have to pay for that one. Mm. So, anyways, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. He, he wants to feed these people. He asked Philip, Philip, how do we get bread? How do we get bread to, fill all, to feed all these people? Now, the Bible says that Jesus was testing Philip because he himself already knew what he was going to do. He had already seen the value in this little boy. He had already seen this little boy had something to offer. He had already seen this boy brought something to the table. He's he, he seen that this kid had a purpose. Another version says that uh, he was gauging Philip's faith. Now, this got me thinking. Imagine if we had a gauge that gauged our faith, showed the level of our faith. How often would our show on E? How often would our show empty? Just like a gas tank, I can say I have a full tank, but the gauge doesn't lie most of the time. The gauge doesn't lie. And if I run out, I'm going to stop moving forward. We can say we have all the faith that we want, but if we aren't putting more faith in, which comes from hearing the word of God, then we're going to run out and we're going to stop moving forward. Philip had stopped moving forward. His answer was natural and not supernatural. He said, we can't because we don't. We can't do this because we don't have this thing. We lack in this area. The supernatural answer is, I know we don't have this thing, but we know that God is Jehovah Jireh and that God is gonna provide and God is gonna make it happen and God is gonna make absolutely sure we have everything that we need. Us Hendersonians in here, we've had to tap into our faith lately, right? Come on, we believe that God is gonna do a great thing. We have a supernatural answer to the situation. Now we see Andrew, he's a, a, another disciple. He speaks up. Now Andrew, he saw the boy, and he's seen that he had something to offer, but he saw as what he had to offer as less than. Well, there's a boy here, but what good is what he has? How, how can that change the situation? How can that affect the situation? How, how will it change the outcome of this mega problem that we're faced with? But see, the boy, he was the solution. The boy was the difference maker. And the boy's value would change the multitudes. 
Jesus seen value in the boy when nobody else did. Jesus seen value in the boy before he even asked Philip how he was going to feed. He was testing Philip to see if Philip seen the value in the kid. To see, hey, can you take what this boy has to offer and make it work? And the answer is with Jesus, all things are possible, right? We can make it happen. So we see Jesus. He then takes what the boy has to offer and he prays over it. He blesses it, and he increases it. If you're faithful with what God has given you, he will increase it. If you take your God-given talent and you're faithful to give it to God and grow God's kingdom and not use it for self-righteousness, God will increase that favor, increase that talent, increase that blessing, and that blessing will return to you tenfold. It will come back to you and bless you tenfold. We see the disciples Jesus increased that kid's offering, that kid's value so much that the disciples were able to gather buckets and buckets and buckets of leftovers. Jesus increased what the boy had because the boy was faithful with what God had given him. Jesus increased it. There's three things that I see in this passage that Jesus did that I think that we should do for the next generation. The first one is somewhere in my notes. The first one is recognize their value. Jesus recognized the value of the boy. Jesus seen what he had to offer. Jesus seen that he had something to bring to the table. Jesus seen that he had a purpose, he had a calling. You know, the next generation, they have something to offer. They, they have a purpose, they have a calling. They are difference makers. They're difference makers right now. They're, they're kingdom warriors right now. And we are called to recognize their value and recognize their gifts and their talents and to teach them how to operate in them. The best place to learn how to operate in your God-given gift is in the house of God. You come here, you begin to serve, and everybody in here has a God-given talent. It's not too late to step up and say, hey, I want to use my gift for the Lord. And the best place to tap into that is right here as you begin to serve under appointed leaders. And they begin to teach you how to operate in that gifting so that when it's your time to step into that calling, when it's your time to step into that purpose, you know exactly what to do. You know exactly how to use that gift to grow God's kingdom. And not for self-righteousness, right? We don't do any of this stuff to glorify ourselves. We do it to glorify God. Well, we should be recognizing the talents in our kids, our grandkids. Every kid or student that we have influence on, we should recognize the talent that we have and we should encourage them to operate in it. The next thing I see Jesus do is he prayed over their gifts and their talents. He prayed over what the boy had. We should pray over our kids every day out loud. It's important to pray in private. Like, it's crucial. You should have a private prayer life every single day. But it's so important that our kids hear us pray for them. Hear, they hear the words that they have a purpose, they have a calling, that God is with them and God never leaves them, God never forsakes them, that they can do more than what they think that they can do. They hear those words. Imagine what it did for this little boy when Jesus said, bring me what he has, and he heard Jesus pray over his gift, pray over his value. I bet it changed his life forever. There goes the boy that Jesus prayed over. He knew, he's like, man, I have a purpose. I have value. Man, somebody, an adult, prayed over me. Not on, right? Prayed over, prayed over. So we see Jesus pray over this. 
pray over this offering, pray over this value. And this kid was extremely blessed. And you're thinking, man, I ask my kid all the time, can, can I pray for you? And they say no. 99% of the time, your kid is gonna tell you no. When you ask them if they need prayer, can I pray over you? No, I don't need it, right? But the one time that they do need prayer, they're gonna know exactly who to go to. The person that was always asking for prayer. The person that was always saying, hey, let me pray for you right now. Come on, we should be praying over our grandkids, our cousins, our nieces, our nephews, our kids. Every student that we come in contact, we should be praying over and saying, hey, God loves you. You are important. The last thing I see Jesus do is he put what the kid had to work. He put it to work. He took what the kid had, he prayed over it, and he put it to work. Come on, kids can be a difference maker now. Kids can serve in the house of God right now. Kids can be building the kingdom of God right now. They don't have to wait. They can step into what God has called them to do. They can step into that God-given talent that, that God has blessed them with. God knew them in the womb. God put that talent inside of them from the beginning. And we should be encouraging our kids to serve, to get plugged in, to tap into the things of God so that we can see them grow because one day they will be the, dif- uh, they will be the decision makers, right? They're difference makers now, but they're gonna be decision makers in the future. And it's up to us as the current generation to teach them to make wise decisions, to be good stewards over God's money, to learn how to operate in God's house because one day they will leave and they will go far off because God will call them to greater things than what he's called us to. And we wanna know that they can walk into any house of God and the first thing they say is, where can I serve? Where can I get plugged in? Where can I make a difference? Because that's what it's about, us building our kids up so they have a better life than what we have, right? That's every parent's goal. We want our kids to have a better life than what we have. And no matter if you're a grandparent, a parent, a newlywed, a single person that isn't weird, right? Single person that isn't weird. You're called to the next generation. You're called to recognize their value, recognize their talents, recognize what they have to offer and teach them to operate in it. Come on, we should encourage and build up our kids every day. Anytime the church doors are open and there's things going on for the next generation, us as the current generation, we should be here showing them that they have importance, showing them that they have value, that they have something to offer, building them up, lifting them up, encouraging them. Every single chance that we get to sow into the next generation is a blessing on top of a blessing. Come on, we teach them what a blessing is and then they grow up and they know how to teach others what a blessing is. They they teach the people behind them, the group behind them, how to operate in God's will. I'll end with this. When I was a senior in high school, I got invited to church by a girl, and I went. And I started attending this church, and shortly after uh, I started attending, the pastor retired. And another pastor stepped into his role. He was a younger guy. I really didn't get to know him that well before I went off to college. And when I got out of the house of God, because I wasn't taught I wasn't taught how to church. I wasn't taught like to be in church is important. So when I got out of church and I went to college, the world influenced me more than it had ever influenced me before. And I dug myself into this pit that I didn't think I would ever get out of. I dropped out of college. I came home. I was living in a house. If you've ever watched TV and you've seen a drug house and 
all these people are laying around just messed up. That's the house that I lived in. Just a shame to let anybody that was on the outside come in. I remember going home one day and I pulled up in my driveway and a car pulled up behind me. And when you're living the life that I was living, it's not always a good thing when a car that you don't know pulls up behind you, right? So I jump out and out steps this pastor of that church that I hadn't been to in years. And he said, hey, John, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I seen you and I followed you here. And I just wanted you to know that I've been praying for you and that you have a purpose and that you have a calling and that there's a place in God's house for you and that you belong there. And I just want you to know you're welcome to come back anytime you want. You know, I never went back to that church, but he planted a seed in me that day and I started climbing out of that pit. Shortly after I met my wife, we moved to Owensboro. We found ourselves here at his church. I started serving in kids ministry. I thought, man, there is nothing greater than this seeing kids in God's house, seeing kids being blessed, seeing kids being taught what to do, being taught how to pray, being taught how to worship. There's nothing better than this. And I made that decision right then that I wanted to spend the rest of my life in God's house. I wanted to be here every single chance that I could. The Lord stirred up in my spirit. He reminded me of that pastor. I found his email. This is when people still emailed. I found his email, I emailed him, I said, Brother Bradley Cornelius, I don't know if you remember me, but I just wanna say thank you because you changed my life in my driveway probably six years ago. You changed my life, you planted a seed, and I just want you to know that I'm back in God's house and I'm serving in kids making a difference. Come on, you can make a difference in the next generation's life by just being involved in what they have going on, being involved in their life, praying over them, teaching them, influencing them, encouraging them to step into their God-given talent. The difference-making starts with recognizing the value in the next generation, and that's on us as the current generation. That's our responsibility. It's not about us anymore, it's about how can we build them up to do better than we did, right? And I know that the kids here at his church, they're being taught how to do life better than what we were taught. Come on, they're learning how to pray in the spirit. They're learning how to give and to tithe and build God's house and to bless other people and to pray and spread the gospel. Come on, they don't have any fear. They will walk up to a stranger and tell somebody about the gospel. They're less jaded than we are. And come on, we have a responsibility to teach them, to usher them. So influence the kids that are in your life. Pray over them. Encourage them to serve in God's house this week. If everybody could stand, let me pray over you. And then we'll, we'll get to dismissing. Father, I thank you for each and every person in here. Lord, I pray that the difference making starts with us. Lord, I pray that we would have the eyes to see how great they really are, Father. That we would begin to sow into the next generation on another level, God. Lord, that we would pour into them. And Lord, that they would step up and they would do life better than we ever did, God. Lord, that they would uh, see more miracles, Father. That they would spread the word more than we did, God. That they would run towards the things that... Uh, they once ran from. Lord, I pray that they would operate in boldness, courage, and strength that can only come from you, God. We love them. Lord, keep your hand upon them. Keep that hedge of protection around them. We bless them. I bless everybody in here. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hand clap.